India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is the 20th of April 2023 we are at the last day of the pre expiry week that is tomorrow and the reason i call it pre expiry week is that one week before expiration stock options start going into settlement which means that they have to be settled by delivery next week and for that most brokers start asking for margin so the entire volume or liquidity in the current month stock options starts to dry up starting from tomorrow and then that leads to sort of a shifting and then we start seeing some liquidity built up in the next month's uh, stock options again so this is an interesting phase because it leads to people squaring up trades in the current week and then you know trying to move it ahead or if they're not moving ahead the squaring up itself causes some kind of volatility in the market based on the positioning that they have and so you always see the markets consolidate pull back uh, or even bounce back up if it is a you know bearish trend you see all those wild swings during this week and that sort of we've seen at least 2 3 days of fall though this week selling actually started with infosys results on monday and after that prices have been in that range we've got 3 days of inside bars which are all inside the big candle that we made in monday we haven't really broken out of that if we actually look at the very very short term chart we end up looking at what looks like a triangle pattern something which is a consolidation before which the trend can break out in either direction and that's going to really make it interesting for the next couple of days because uh, it sets the tone uh, and because we fell on monday and then formed a triangle there's a case that short term maybe that direction can actually be down uh, you do have uh, the rmi in sell mode on uh indian equities us equities and so there's a case the interesting thing though uh, which i'll come to on us equities is uh, the entire setup and positioning now before we go there we are in the earnings season and uh, that is of course going to play on everyone's mind and every day's moves uh, well we started with a bad tech earnings uh, on monday uh, we have hcl tech numbers tomorrow and a lot of the earnings numbers in the fourth quarter that is the final quarter of the year actually spread out over a longer period of time because the deadlines allowed are longer so so instead of all the earnings being announced within a month it actually stretches all the way into may and that that sort of prolongs the entire impact on markets from earnings but there's a nice rule that you know whenever there are results ideally don't trade on that day because or don't have a position in that particular stock because it can give you wild swings irrespective of whether you are right on the earnings number it can be a good number and prices can sell off simply because of profit booking it can be a bad number and still result in a big sell off or it can be discounted and therefore after the bad news prices actually rebound and start going up so it's not 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 typically advisable to you know have positions around uh, a result date uh, very rarely it's been beneficial to me but on most occasions uh, it's actually uh, you know been more risk and you know simply leads to unexpected moves loss and unnecessary tension so that is best not done and as we start talking about the month end because next month is uh, expiry uh, i really i really wonder today was the weekly expiration and you know weekly expiries are a tricky spot because a lot of people have started to trade this in fact us is even doing daily 
expiries and that has led to huge open interest in the option space because with everybody buying lottery tickets actually call them lottery tickets you might have seen my twitter thread on that today because you're buying something for 10 bucks hoping it becomes 40 my real problem with that is fine if you're a, if you have really no money and you're really looking for a lottery ticket you're willing to lose everything you have in your pocket it's like you go spend 10 bucks on a lottery ticket but here you're in the stock market you might be spending a lot more than that maybe 10000 or 50000 who knows what and we don't think that it's a lot of money that's the unfortunate part of the story but if you really came uh, to the options market with the idea that you wanted to you know build uh, you know sizable gains that you can then deploy into investing which is how you know if you listen to a lot of the stories of people who came they traded they made money then they invested they created wealth you know that's that's been the story for a lot of people not everybody is a startup investor only from day one Uh, you know uh, you can even allocate that to people like uh, you know rakesh junjunwala who's become famous as an investor has always had a trading background uh, you have george soros uh, and his big trades uh, made him famous but eventually he's been an investor in the market so but then there are, there are those big trades now you think of george soros he took a multi billion dollar bet you think that was possible by buying weekly options you think he bought weekly options on the british pound in the early 1990s where he made Uh, almost a billion dollars i think that was that's the amount if i'm not wrong probably not you know so uh, the typical bet in these situations has been slightly long dated but being right about something so being right is more important than really the timeline which is why why do you want to deal with time why why do you want to fight this fight with time i call time the enemy i say time is your enemy because you can be right and i'm sure there's been the experience of so many investors and traders when they think like this is what i think the stock will play out and then they give up and then it actually does what they thought and they said oh god i lost patience that's essentially time time working against you and in the options market that's exactly the same thing you're betting on something will happen you expect it to happen within 5 days because it's going to expire in 5 days but it might happen on the 6th or 7th day and then what the market won't pay you back so the way i deal with it i say become a good analyst learn to read the charts because that would definitely help uh, options are a shorter term instrument you need to be able to gauge the trend and sentiment and if you're able to do that well enough you're able to gauge the movements uh, you know over a couple of days weeks you know one to two week kind of moves or at least four to five day moves those are sufficient for options traders if you're able to judge those and you know get on the right side of that trade and uh, you know have a good risk reward it doesn't mean trades don't go wrong so you you're at a point where you can minimize risk and in in any case charts you're minimizing risk and when you're buying an option you're anyway minimizing risk because you're only paying a premium you're not really paying m2m you're not paying the margin for owning that underlying stock like you would in the futures market so you're taking that part of the risk which is what i like because then uh, you can ensure how much you're risking you can buy time so and then if you're right you can actually get paid and you can sleep well at night because even if there's a nuclear blast nothing can happen to you so you know it's a it's a discussion we're going to be having on the mentorship session coming sunday we're going to be talking about how to buy the right strikes uh, which options to deal with how to create an options book that's going to be the discussion part of it of course we're also going to be discussing long term positioning of portfolio something we started talking about last weekend as well but this is the important topic so if you're really uh, you know looking at options i think of it why would i not want to create a book where i can deploy larger sums of money i can run that book over a longer period of time and for that you need a scalable strategy which runs uh, on a view uh, involves some amount of time so you're not fighting time and if you get 
on the right side of that view you get paid back you know and uh, even if you're on the right side a little bit you at least get your capital back and then you're able to take the next bet so you reduce risk significantly by playing it uh, in this way and even if you're right you know six out of ten times seven out of ten times every time you're right if you're able to make significant gains the few times you're wrong you just need to minimize and quickly move out of those trades that are not working and that's sort of good enough so uh, so that way you can actually build capital and every time you're making significant amounts on the winning trades you can start investing that's really a good way to work around uh, the idea of building a portfolio uh, if you're starting out small so don't don't if you're starting out small doesn't mean you come and buy lottery tickets on weekly options that's my main point that i'm trying to make now options have also become a very very interesting instrument because they have gotten a lot of attention from the crowds uh, part of this attention has come because after 2008-9 the open interest uh, or you can say the market share of the options market has really grown significantly compared to the total open interest so prior to 2008 uh, since the inception of derivatives in india 2002 to 2008 70 to 80% i think 75 was the peak 75% of the options uh, of the few, uh, total open interest in the derivatives market was actually futures and it was not options so what that meant is people actually got paid when there was a directional market so you got big moves you know we we had a even within a bull market 2006 you got a two month 30% sell off in the market suddenly because lot of positions got built up in futures and the unwinding caused the crash and then again the upward trend started and the bull market went on so that was like normal to you know get wild swings and crazy moves in the option side and get big paybacks uh, but that sort of slowed down after 2008 9 and as the options market actually grew now it has it initially went to 50 60% okay and then it's slowly been advancing from there and post covid it's gone to 85% now this is massive so you have only 15% of the total derivatives market now in the futures side and rest of it is all options and so in the option side now payback has become very very controlled you know you don't get those wild moves except randomly maybe in somewhere and something but take the nifty you don't really get those 30% in two months is hasn't happened like in more than a decade or more maybe almost two decades since we last saw something like that and so massive moves are done uh, because uh, now that not just the buyers but the writers are also on the option side there's actually an interest like i said in the future side you could make money by direction so you got direction now that money is being made through lack of direction which means the sellers don't want volatility the buyers want some volatility what you end up getting is something in between so a much lesser volatile market uh, unless there's a black swan event you know and then uh, you need to work around that so what used to happen in the older more volatile times is writers used to get killed if you got you know that kind of a move 20% 30% in one two months and especially if that meant that you know you get two three days of consecutive gap downs then an entire options book could could get wiped out i've seen that in front of my eyes in 2006 that crash entire options book getting wiped out in you know so entire year of gains or two years of gains can go within that one month because you're really trying to hedge your delta and hedge your positioning which is supposed to based on a systematic method but the sheer scale of move and the amount of hedging costs you so much that the losses are paramount now the funny thing is one thing that i found from that experience and many other products not just one i've seen many other products after that which could actually be claimed as successful because the product owners would say well this is a strategy that would have worked if i continued to execute it as it was supposed to be executed except that when there was a drawdown maybe the drawdown was a little bigger than we thought 
everybody gets scared and then they close the strategy it's happened with me it's happened with others and that really takes you back to how do people perceive a particular strategy or a particular view i mean people come with the expectation that it's supposed to work 100% of the time even though if i tell you in advance that say see here's a product it's going to develop you uh, you know give you 30 35% per annum compounded the risk is that you get a 20% drawdown investors will say great that sounds good i'm very happy here's my money but the thing that they don't anticipate is what if they give you the money and you hit a 20% drawdown at the start now they can't handle it they were not supposed to face a 20% drawdown even though they were told that it can happen ideally they probably imagined in their mind that prices would move in their favor and then after that if there was a drawdown they wouldn't really lose too much but unfortunately if it happens on day 1 then it's a problem and if the drawdown becomes slightly bigger then most probably the owners of the product or rather the people who are allowing the owners of the product to run the product would get worried and shut it down or the clients would force it to get shut down and then the money would be moved into a less riskier strategy to recover losses which are already massive which completely makes no sense it's bizarre to me because i have seen that you know if strategies are workable even after a 30% drawdown i know someone who had a strategy in 2009 which he said see well if we just contained and continued with the strategy even after that broad drawdown it would have eventually just recovered it all so the main point is were you willing to hold on and stick to your strategy and that's where a lot of things get lost because imagine if you have a large drawdown in your strategy the strategy which is a high risk high reward profile can only earn it back for you when the high reward comes you know so if you shift a high risk high reward profile strategy to a low risk profile strategy after the drawdown you're simply going to make the duration of returns much longer to get your capital back you know so something which is minus 30 will not come back to zero over one year where you lost it but probably take 7 8 years just to regain it which is which is a big misuse of capital now of course that doesn't mean you go back to a bad strategy okay so it can mean that you had a mid cap portfolio that draws down 40 50% and then you transfer it to an index fund the one i was running in pm in the pms at share khan and some funds were transferred that way that uh, and then you know uh, the people who moved it there from a fundamental to a long shot strategy which would slowly earn you back because volatility had actually come down so compared to our previous returns we were only giving maybe 5 6% at one point of time 10 11 at some point of time it wouldn't be good enough to bring back a 50% drawdown from buying mid cap stocks you know so completely strategies can be mismatched there can be a mismatch between one strategy and the next and uh, that's again not a good way to try and you know earn it back you have to seriously think about being in the same strategy but uh, in a workable way of course if it is a failed strategy completely i mean you don't want to be long term capital management that was not the point that i meant by saying that you need to be in something but you have to stick to something so for, for so for example nobody is ever always right you can be right on the markets uh, you know 7 7 out of 10 times if you're really good 6 out of 10 times on average there are day traders who work at less than 50% and even if i'm right 70 to 80% of the time on the market my actual trades because that involves a little more than just having a view it means execution getting in getting out managing risk then you have actually looked at closed trades in the process of doing all that and you'll find that less than 50% of the trades are actually the winning trades you know rest of it is all trade management and therefore you'll actually feel oh well the strike rate is not even 50% which is not the case but because the opinions might be right more than than wrong and so that's how it works even when you're 
you know significant gains end up happening in those few seriously good trades and the rest of it is managing risk and trying to get a sense of markets by taking different positions and this is a this is a very very involving process and if you want to get to that place you really have to immerse yourself in understanding how markets work how to trade and it's something you have to do for yourself you just can't depend on somebody else doing it for you or spoon feeding it to you because if there's somebody who knows how to do it last thing you should be expecting is that he's going to spoon feed it to you so that's that's the approach that i have taken uh, at least at india charts we don't spoon feed we share information we share data i go wrong and i think i face the same problem if i go wrong there are always people who'll quit and leave which is something that we can do nothing about because most people are looking for spoon feeding but not willing to really learn the process and uh, go through with it with it understanding that this is how it's going to happen there are going to be drawdowns there are going to be periods where suddenly some things don't work in fact most people simply wait i mean in products that i have run that were actually at a time successful for 8 to 9 months find that people would actually not be listening to you or following what you were saying for a large part of that period so we actually were running something known as a quarter delta i'm saying one of the first products we ran on, ran on that way my first experience of something like this we ran it for 11 months consecutively every month showed a profit and then people actually believed this works in the 12th month exactly the month when we were prepared to go i mean we were not prepared we knew, you never know you don't know when you're going to go wrong if you knew that you would be god so you only know that you have a strategy that will work most of the time it always has the odds of not working once here or once there but if in exactly the month we are going to be wrong and everybody decides to follow it up then that can be an unfortunate experience and that's what happens so many times and so i've given you two examples one of you know people pulling back exactly i mean going in for something exactly when it can go wrong second people pulling back from a possible strategy that could win but because it was a drawdown into another strategy that is you know uh, less aggressive and then spending a long time trying to recover it that can also be you know awfully wrong or you could actually you know end up spending executing something exactly as it is to be and having the patience to see it actually play out over a period of time it's a tough thing but i don't know if there's any other in you know, any other way to really take it through so things have changed definitely between in terms of you know the way volatility is behaved in this market when you had all the open interest in futures and now that you have all the open interest in options and you have to deal with it accordingly and then with the stock options going into delivery based settlement you have this additional volatility and behavior liquidity drying up in current month shifting to and then the next month building up so there's this gap period where you know nothing really happens uh, in the options market and uh, but many times a lot of big swings in the market end up happening in these gap periods so very very tricky but you have to work your way around it this is this is where we are in the market we are at a time where prices are pulling back we've had a lot of data come in over the last couple of weeks in fact last week i think you had most of the inflation data come out and a lot of it was showing weakening trends which was taken positively by the dollar by actually declining and bond yields pulling back but technically both of them had divergences so which is where the bond yields are actually jumping back higher over the last few days after after the initial decline and same with the dollar now that is that is setting up for what we are saying is a short term correction but uh, the data itself was supportive cpi uh, was dropping in fact wpi in india had hit as high as 15.8% remember wpi used to be the you know main inflation gauge before we started to look at cpi and it was the main means of actually deciding interest rate policy then it was changed to cpi 
Now, at least we are still stuck with CPI. US talks even more about core than we do. Now, the funny thing is, as you move towards core, you actually stop looking at what is most important to the public at large. I mean, the first main reason to actually look at CPI, C means consumer, is to know what affects the consumer. I think food and energy affects the consumer more than anything. You know, and and then we say, no, 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 let's exclude food and consumer. Let's look at core, which actually doesn't include food and energy, which is the most important to the public at large. And so if core is not really going anywhere and if it's low, we are all good to go. But that that can be a pain point, especially in an emerging market. So we are still fortunately looking at CPI in India and CPI trends are down. Even even food inflation has seen a significant uh, drop down in India. In US, you still have core sticking around for other reasons, what they're calling non-core services inflation and even that data if i go if i go by the lead lags of uh, you know data in the us should eventually cool off so all that is happening but when i listen and so this is where this is where the catch is coming and we're also heading into what is known as the us debt ceiling now i don't understand so much attention is paid to something which is a self-created event i mean what is a debt ceiling a debt ceiling is a ceiling that this is the maximum we are going to borrow as far as uh, you know we are concerned and this is a limit set by the parliament, which only the parliament can raise. And surely every government that's in power is going to raise it because they need to borrow more. So what is the point of having such a ceiling that you have raised maybe two dozen times in 20 years? But every time it comes up for discussion, it is used to create some chaos in markets as to, oh, well, this time we are not going to raise the debt ceiling. Like, yes, this time we are going to ensure that the US defaults on the whole world and and that is being said by an American politician. Is that really possible? I mean, would unless somebody would be, you know, in a suicide mode wanting to destroy his own country, he wouldn't take actions in that direction, which means it's just a political game. You gain some brownie, brownie points by talking about it, screaming about it, pushing it to the borderline, you know, t- till the last day, and then giving in and saying, fine, this is what we all agree to. And now it can go ahead. And this is what that's what they've done time and again. So I don't know if this time will be any different. Surely the time it's different, it's a global black swan because it'll be somebody who wants to bring everything down that would do it, but most probably not. So let's at least forget about that part. But surely it will create a mild pressure point as we get closer to June until that you know date is really forwarded. But it's possible the market pays not that much attention to it. What everybody is paying attention to, though, if I listen to every hedge fund manager in every interview, whether it's on YouTube or podcasts, were speaking and they continue to say the same thing. It's like almost a consensus trade coming up across from the hedge fund community that US earnings are going to continue to weaken. The GDP growth that we saw bump up because of some first quarter reflation will very quickly die down and you're going to see a big drawdown in the economy. Now, a lot of economic data is already at the weakest level. Usually when you get to the weakest level in economic data, the market has reached its lowest point. In addition to that, if we also look at sentiment, when sentiment also reaches an extreme, you have reached the lowest point. And third, but not last, there's something known as the liquidity cycle. There's an interesting chart by Michael Howe, I think, of uh, cross-border capital, been there in different interviews. And he actually shows the uh, an indicator of the liquidity cycle. And the liquidity cycle is also at the bottom. So you have economic data at the bottom. You have liquidity cycle at the bottom. You have the AII bull bear ratio at a multi-year low, probably lower than 2009. And you have sentiment at the same extreme. You have short positioning, you know, the highest short since probably 2011 in the CFTC futures data on the S&P 500. And all of this put together makes you feel that this is a sentiment extreme and everybody's talking about a recession. So, so is, is all this bearishness going to get paid 
or is it just extreme bearishness that will get wiped out very very tough call to take uh, the fact though is yes we are likely to see a weak us earning season it's already happening and so maybe there's definitely short term risk i'm not ruling that out but will a short term risk result into a medium to longer term calamity and the sentiment doesn't really add up to that front so we're going to have to take this as on a trade to trade basis because sentiment doesn't add up you know and sentiment is an important factor when we are we, when we actually study elliot wave analysis try to you know gauge what is the wave structure wave count because at each of the uh, you know movements in the waves when we they reach a com- you know completion of a particular structure you do see extremes in sentiment or divergences in sentiment which are in place you know i think in in the indian market probably the only indicator which is not cooled off a bit is the premiums that we see in in uh, in the nifty futures you know they are still rolling over at more than 100 points from current month to next month that number should have come off a lot and despite a three month decline from you know december to january we actually haven't seen that number cool off and i think that remains one of the last things which didn't happen even though in march we did see one of the highest short positions built up by fi's which has resulted in the most recent rally apart from whatever buying that has come in from mutual funds and you know even fi's did buy some amount into this rally we've in fact got a 13 day consecutive move in the bse small cap index as small stocks started to rebound and so that's another winning streak uh, the nifty mid small cap index did close down yesterday pausing on that streak but the small cap on the bse continued to move higher so i think we still haven't got that short term reversal in the mid and small cap rally which is now on for 13 days and going but somewhere like i said if if you when you get this you know long run it does pause and then you get some consolidation and if the global markets have these reasons to pull back we want to really judge to what extent can you get a pullback will it be small will it be big and frankly i don't know but i think the right approach would be let the market tell us you know so be on the side of the market let it tell us but in the big picture because we are at such extremes and you know we are more than a year into this so called bear market and some people even debated yesterday in a spaces whether you can call this a bear market or not or whether the another 1000 point fall is a crash and these things are so so hard to describe because 1000 points may not sound like much but yes from the top if you're down 20% it's a bear market so if you add 1000 points twice you can call them non crashes resulting in a bear market which is very very weird so definitions can be peculiar you know you can have stocks that have fallen a lot and then claim that well stocks are already at 12000 level so is the nifty at 12000 but there are enough stocks that are also at new all time highs that have trended higher psu stocks have done well you have uh, you know the defense stocks that did really well and so you can you can you really put everything in one basket you had the auto sector do hit new highs by mid of the year into you know june and july and so many many differential varying trends but on the other side you had a very very weak it sector so is the nifty really giving us the entire picture i think coming back to the main point there are risks we watch those short term risks but in the big picture i am not able to t- take that bet outright on something big and massive happening because sentiment and positioning does not really add up so that's i think my in a nutshell uh, my thought but i'm i'm really surprised by the type of negativity at least in us markets i think everybody is talking about the same thing recession is coming earnings will slow down a credit contraction will drive this move lower and it's going to hurt and can that really happen with everybody talking about the same thing overlooking the idea that the liquidity cycle is at the bottom and that means 
liquidity could expand we are seeing global liquidity expand we have seen the fed step in at least twice in the last 6 months with expanding liquidity for different reasons and what will stop them from doing a lot more of that moment some of these economic and macro data points that they are watching start to cool off the way they are thinking or even more than what they are thinking and then they would quickly move in the opposite direction would you still get a massive rub off on equity prices very very tricky and it's going to be hard to take uh, that trade aggressively you'll have to take it using proper position sizing rules and that's the only way you're going to be able to trade it right so trade it right learn to get it right this is what we are discussing you know position sizing and trade management is the final level that we discuss in the mentorship programs and that's what we are doing right now sunday to sunday and i'll leave you with these thoughts on the markets and uh, catch you all next time thank you Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.